0: Welcome to a special episode of Introducing and By special, I mean old. And and what we do is we say we're going back in the archives to just to, to mask the fact that, yes, it's an old episode. We're going back to September 16, 2021 to talk about this lady here, TK Meidzer, because she has a brand new album coming out. It's out today, and she's also out on the road this month, November 23 in Melbourne, then to Canberra, Gold Coast, Sydney, Ballarat and Perth. TKMeidzer.com forward slash tour is the place to go. We had a fun chat. So I thought let's go back in time and enjoy it together again.
1: Hey, I'm TK Meidza. I'm originally from Zimbabwe. I was born there and lived in Adelaide and now I'm in Los Angeles. I make all kinds of music. It can be rap. It can be alt. Indie, alt indie music, alt pop, alt dance, alt anything. If you want a playlist, just put me on it and you have every vibe.
0: That is the best intro ever. <laughs> Live- Yeah, welcome to episode three. It is a mini-series because I'm kind of waiting until we can get back face-to-face with people again to really get the full impact of just catching up with people in their element, not on Zoom, okay, Um, which is what we're about to do, (laughs) but but I promise it won't be how things are in the future, all right? We're going to get face-to-face very soon. Uh, Just quickly on last week's episode, episode two with Hayley Mary, uh, I hope you all liked it. Of course, her EP, The Drip, is out now. And fingers crossed her shows around Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland and everywhere else are still going to happen in November. Just check out hayleymary.com for updates. Now, episode three, it is TK Mizer. We'd not met before, and, well, technically we still haven't, because, yes, this is another Zoom chat. She was born in Zimbabwe, she moved to Perth when she was young, Uh, then to Adelaide, I caught up with her from her new home in Los Angeles. Look, I've loved TK's music for years, I've danced around like a maniac to Brontosaurus at Splendour in the Grass. Really not acting my age at all Uh, We chat about what her parents think of her career And the fact that she's, well, now she's not an architect Like she was going to be Uh, We'll chat about her relationship with Troy Sivan Look, I'd never met her, as I said She is, look, she's so sweet Her personality is very infectious And yes, we even have a little special guest Toward the end of this chat With one of her long-term collaborators And now friends over in LA Please sit back and enjoy Well, don't sit back if you're driving Just enjoy my chat with tk miser we have to start then how is los angeles because god i'd love to be there now it feels like you guys are on top of things again
1: (laughs) the weather's good like i feel like the reason why i love being here is because it feels like summer all year round even when it's winter like i feel like you don't really feel it i think it's really inspiring being here as well because i don't know everyone's creative and there's the sort of buzz that I feel like I have never really experienced anywhere else and it's really inspiring for me to like become who I want to be kind of things.
0: Oh and it's so cool to sing about as well and like just throwing LA into a song here and there it's just so cool.
1: I could name any street and it'll be fine because it's in LA. (laughs)
0: Los Feliz, you can say Los Feliz.
1: That's where I live, that's where I live. Is that right (laughs) really? Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I had a friend that lives in Silver Lake and whenever I go to Silver Lake, it kind of feels like a little suburb of Australia, like a Sydney or Melbourne or something like that.
1: Yeah, that's kind of what Los Feliz feels like. It feels like a middle ground, but then it's also very earthy and green. There's a lot of trees, a lot of palm trees, but also just like parks and it's open and there's space and it's quiet. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Do
0: you have a cool LA car? Because you can't really wander around LA, can you?
1: No, not yet. I'm still Ubering.
0: I see you in some kind of Jeep Wrangler or something heading down to. <laughs> wow, I
1: feel like you
0: know me. Are you a psychic? <laughs> Maybe psycho. <laughs> we'll, we'll get back to LA in a sec because I want to talk about how it all started for you, and then we'll get to why you moved there. But tell us—I mean, you—you're born in Zimbabwe, then you moved to South Australia. Is that—is that? Is Am that, I got that bit right?
1: Um. I lived in Perth for a while, lived in Kalgoorlie, then went to Waiala and then went to Adelaide. So I've kind of been in a lot of places in Australia.
0: So hang on, so it went Zimbabwe to Kalgoorlie. Was that the first, was that the first, <laughs> was that the first trip?
1: <laughs> Zimbabwe to Perth, then, oh, then to to- Kalgoorlie. Right,
0: right. Sorry, sorry. You did mention Perth. Who was musical in your family then? Or were you, are you the first in your family to sit up and obviously do this as a career maybe, but was your family musical as you were moving around so much?
1: Yeah, I have uncles in Zimbabwe and South Africa that were touring. And I remember going to like family functions and weekend shows with my dad. He would play bass with them as well. So I feel like I was always around music for probably... I don't know, like 16 years of my life. And then the reason why I started was because my dad had recording gear in his room, in his special room kind of thing. And I was like, oh, maybe I might make a song today. That's kind of how it started.
0: And he was okay with you because normally dads have like special things or special rooms that like don't go in there or don't touch dad's special car or don't touch dad's special brown liquid over there. Yeah, He was obviously okay with you to be in there using it.
1: He didn't mind, but also he flew in and flew out. So, when I did use it, he wasn't there anyways. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was a bit of both.
0: (laughs) So, so then let's go to Adelaide. You moved to Adelaide and then I did read that you studied architecture. So, there must have been a part of you then that thought, oh, well, music's just a hobby, maybe not a career. What was the thing that changed that for you?
1: Actually, so, when I finished high school, I wanted to pursue music, but... It made no sense to my parents because I hadn't studied it at all. I was just kind of being like a little, you know, internet rat. And they were like, (laughs) how are you actually going to do this in real life? I was like, I don't know, I'll figure it out. But they were like, no, you're going to (laughs) university. And I was lucky in my first year, I I started touring then. That's when my first songs kind of started getting onto rotation on Triple J and stuff.
0: Can you tell us a little, like, give us a little bit of the first song that really changed it all for you?
1: There was one called Handle My Ego, and that's kind of what exposed me to the station. But then Brontosaurus was the one that got onto high rotation. And that's when a lot of, not festival, more like tour offers were coming, like club tours and stuff, which was really interesting. Um, I was underage, so I was kind of going to clubs (laughs) and then going home straight after my set.
0: (laughs) I do remember jumping around at One Splendour in the Grass to Brontosaurus, so it's a perfect festival song. That's for sure. No, no, don't apologise. That's what that's what you're there for. Before brontosaurus and before getting radio play and, and festivals and, and things, then what was the kind of music that you were listening to? Because obviously, if you were travelling and moving around a lot too, you would have been. It would have been a lot of time in your own head. What what were you What were you loving?
1: I loved a lot of Outkast, and I liked Rihanna. There was a lot of Lauryn Hill that my dad played, and Macy Gray. I had this like pop punk phase I think everyone did especially living in the country like everyone was listening to That boy pan yeah. together disco the first concert I went to was pan together disco yeah great. um it was a lot of that for a while but I think when I realized I wanted to make music I was listening to Kanye West and Kendrick and that was probably when Nicki Minaj was like really making her moves and stuff as well. So there was a bit of everything. I think it's just like that mix of having the radio just like play stuff. And you're like, I think I like this. And then, and then, you know, all the words to literally every song. Um, <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> and
1: then what your parents play you as well. And you're like, Oh, I know all the words to this as well.
0: <laughs> yeah. What were your parents listening to? Like what was on in your house?
1: Bob Marley, Lauren Hill. My dad likes Nirvana quite a lot as yeah. well my mom liked do it she liked Dolly Parton as well yeah I, that's what I remember the most
0: nothing's cringy none of the, none of these artists are cringeworthy they're all very cool artists and and still very like do- Dolly's still doing her thing yeah. yeah
1: yeah yeah I think they're they're very soulful so I think that was kind of like what stayed with me
0: So they they must be proud of you now, surely. I mean, obviously, you're not building buildings and and contributing to city skylines (laughs) just yet. They must be very proud of you. Do you remember the first time they came to see you when you were really, like, properly playing? Like, not just performing live, but a a proper TK gig?
1: Yeah. I had a sold-out show at HQ in Adelaide, and my parents came to that. They've come to all of my sold-out shows, and I think... My mom was crying the whole time, apparently, and she, but she couldn't watch the set completely like she'd cry, run away, come back and then like <laughs> it was cute. My dad's really chill. So he was kind of like, that was amazing. Well done, but oh, right. my mom told after that he was, like, very emotional about it.
0: Well, it's nice that they they kind of balance each other out. You can't have both of them hysterically crying and running off and you can't have both yeah. of them sitting there with their arms crossed going, that was amazing.
1: Yeah, I think, honestly, I think my dad's probably more emotional about it than my mom. I think my mom just shows more, you know what I mean? I feel like it's usually that, like that.
0: So being so young, how, how was it? Can you remember, like, what was the first festival you were invited to play?
1: First festival... I was invited to play was, I think it was Splendor in the Grass. I had a 12 o'clock slot. So it was kind of like a, oh, there's a slot open. Do you want to play kind of thing? And which is crazy. So that was the first.
0: I've noticed that 12 o'clock probably was at the mix up tent, I'm assuming at 12 o'clock or was it GW McLennan?
1: No, it was a mix-up tent. That was probably the biggest stage that I'd be, been on as well. So, well, definitely, obviously.
0: Because 12 o'clock, <laughs> I, I, do, I do remember dra- dragging people a few years ago, like because it was the Saturday afternoon, it was 12, and people were pretty hungover from the Friday And I said, so you've got to come and see this band, Haiku Hands, and they were on at midday at the mix-up tent Ooh. at Splendid in the Grass on yeah. Saturday. And that gig either makes you, like, your friends really love you and respect you or tells you to piss off and don't ever drag me to another gig again (laughs) and I think a lot of the my my experiences at 12 o'clock at the mix-up tent has never been disappointed
1: right yeah actually the response from the crowd was pretty crazy like like you said imagining playing the as the first act on a big stage (laughs) the first day and you've never really played a festival like that either you're kind of like oh my god I'm so scared I don't really know what's going to happen how am I gonna fill the space as well I think it was very encouraging honestly like I I felt a lot of adrenaline after that. Of course.
0: Set. <laughs> I mean, it would have been different from your club days you were talking about earlier where you had to go home because you're underage. Like, what was it like? You finished maybe by 1 p.m. on Saturday um, and you had a whole weekend ahead of you. Did you hang out? Did you meet some people? Like, how, how was the rest of that experience for you? Just uh, even uh, just as a music fan?
1: Yeah, I stayed the whole weekend and I made sure I watched every single set that I wanted to watch. Even the ones that I probably didn't want to see. Like I was kind of one of those, I love everything, I want to see it and experience it. I camped out the weekend as well. It was kind of like, did the slug yeah. out and experience the music. <laughs> Oh, we had to take showers in the Porta loos or whatever yeah. as well. It yeah. was like the real splendor experience.
0: Oh yeah, I, I camp every year. It's the only way to do it because I mean you can get a you can you can hire a nice house anytime. I think like you can, right. you can have because I think they're two separate things. But when you camp at Splendor, you're really committing to it. And then you can go to the midday gig at the mix up tent because you're not having a leisurely breakfast and a smoothie and a swim at your you know ridiculously expensive right. house up the road.
1: Yeah, like your environment is telling you to leave the tent soon. <laughs> yes. You just like going to go, go see something. Well, because yeah. you, you'll no, die. It, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Experience it once. I definitely recommend.
0: <laughs> once you played, were you a little bit cocky in your own mind? Like, were you watching people differently on how they did things and how they commanded a, a stage that big? Like, were you taking notes constantly? Like, how did you kind of navigate that first experience at Splendor after you'd played yourself?
1: Yeah, I think it was. Mostly looking at how people command the stage. And even if it is a show where there aren't a lot of p- people there, it's like, what do you do in those moments? And learning the cues and just seeing, like, what engages people. And I think when it's your first festival, you're kind of just like, wow, I hope, like, next time I come here, I will be playing in front of 15,000 people, 20,000 people. Yeah. You know, so it's like, it feels, it felt like a a learning you know, curve, but also a moment of inspiration for the most part
0: oh absolutely i I'm, I'm, I must yeah. have been amazing. I can only imagine I've only ever been watching, so I've been able to stand side of stage before that's as close as I got. I'll never get any further than that. So you've done you've done really well there.
1: <laughs> I mean, I feel like being in front of the stage is better than being on the side, but that is also something. That- it
0: absolutely yeah. is. But if if you get invited and you say no to side of stage, then there is some issue with that as well.
1: <laughs> then, yeah, everyone be like, what? <laughs> yeah,
0: I didn't climb up a, a light. Poll or anything, I was invited. Um, What was the moment then? Do you think we might have covered it? So tell me if we have. But what was the moment that really changed everything for you? Was it a song? Was it an album? Was it a show? When, When did you wake up and things weren't the same anymore?
1: I feel like in that era, it would have been when I released my first EP, and there was a song called "Switch Lanes" that was on that project, and. It was really cool because Pitchfork covered it and then it was in the Hottest 100, but the reason why it got in was because they didn't want Taylor Swift to be yes. the number 100. I do either. remember that
0: controversy, yes, yes, yes.
1: Right. And it's kind of like the mix-up tense, like you're the first song of the like day on the Hottest 100. Prince <laughs> <Yes. laughs> <just> like, what? <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. That felt like a really big moment and that was almost like a, oh, I can play like... Support shows for Charlie XEX, and then I went to the UK with like years and years and stuff. And it just felt like it kept adding on. And then, you know, the Troy Savan collab happened, and that was kind of like that moment in that year kind of thing. I think it was 2015.
0: Yeah, it all gets me blurry when good things happen. Yeah, I it think gets blurry. You always remember the year when something <laughs> bad happened, but you don't remember the year specifically when so something good, good happened. <laughs>
1: too much happening. It's all great. (laughs) I
0: know. It's like just forever 2015 for you. So tell us about the relationship with Troy. Like how did that, how did that come about?
1: He, that was kind of like a label thing, but I felt so passionate about the song, especially because he's a pop artist, but I thought the song was very cool and dark. And it also reminded me of like dark twist of fantasy or something but he was singing r&b melodies and stuff so i felt really passionate about it and i was like oh i love this song i found out he was from south africa and that felt also special to me as well and i i wrote the verse and he and he liked it next minute he's like come to the uk and do the tour so yeah that was kind of it yeah. <laughs> if anything that's, cool. <laughs> that's the story
0: yeah <laughs> i mean we all like to think it's some romantic thing where someone reached out on email and then you went to a beautiful bar somewhere and then but no sometimes right. it's just the record label that organizes it and you just go from there yeah,
1: that was it yeah. Yeah, yeah but i think everything that came after was felt very like genuine because he's such a nice person as well and he had his family there yeah. the uk shows were his first overseas shows as well yeah and they were sold out and stuff so yeah, I was dope
0: Well, he's in LA as well, isn't he? Well, he's technically Perth and Melbourne and then LA So have you got a nice little crew of Aussies slash kind of mates from home That you catch up with being so far from home?
1: I actually didn't know he was here Like, I don't know I feel like because of the lockdown, you don't really know who's around And you're kind of like sticking yeah. to your small bubble Weirdly enough, I haven't seen a lot of Australians around. Okay. I need to look into it.
0: (laughs) So when I was telling some people that I was catching up with you today, a lot of people were talking about uh, Dan Farber, the producer that you've worked with, and everyone's just obsessed with him. So give us the Dan Farber story and why he's so amazing and why everyone loves him and and why he's so great to work with.
1: It's so funny. He's in the room right now. (laughs) Oh,
0: is he? Well, Dan, it's true. (laughs) (laughs)
1: um we met lucky lucky
0: lucky i said uh, i was talking to tk and they said that dan guy's a dick
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's yeah it's been a really special journey we met like six years ago maybe seven it's been yeah it's been like most of my life basically yeah (laughs) feels like it we had a session teed up together by like labels and stuff and we made a song that sounds like the stuff that I make now. But in that time, it felt different. And I thought that was really cool. So we stayed in touch a little bit. And a year later, I was trying to figure out what songs I needed for my debut album. And we reconnected, bonded over music that we like, that was more alternative, which is also like more in the line of what I'm doing now. And I was like, oh, I just feel like I need someone that helps me bring everything together and like finds a consistency. I just felt like I was going through a lot of just like big changes. I think when you're in your like early twenties, there is that real life thing where you're like, Oh, I have to (laughs) plan my next 10 years kind of thing. And he was there to listen. That's the best thing. Like he was like there for me as a friend and wanted to work hard to build this new universe, which was last year was weird. And I think that was what was so cool because it was like the commitment and the excitement to create something that we both felt like I don't know needed to exist (laughs) yeah it's cool he can literally do anything honestly and that's like the cool for me because I'm very eclectic and I have different like you know moods every day so he's always adjusting and that's like perfect
0: (laughs) well you can tell him even though he's right there but tell him that he's got a lot of fans in Australia in the business
1: (laughs) <laughs> he did one of the he waved his hands <laughs>
0: oh good okay good actually well you mentioned a different personalities I saw you posted something about dual personalities what what, mm-hmm. what what do you mean by that is that something that you think every creative person does deal with as far as their work
1: definitely I think for me my dual personalities there's a light side and a dark side so I think from what I've listened to growing up, like I really like ballads and soulful R&B music, but then there's this other side that wants to like mosh, climb railings and like scream at people and just like, you know what I mean? Have a good time. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. So, and I think if you knew me, like if you see me every day, there's days where like I just don't say anything. I'm really shy and awkward and introverted, but I'm also really extroverted. Mm. Both have to exist. And I think the lesson for me lately has been, been allowing that to exist and not repressing one because then I feel unbalanced without having the other kind of thing. Yeah. Well,
0: I'm glad we got the other v- version of you for an interview, but I do appreciate that that's exactly <laughs> right as well.
1: <laughs> Imagine I was like, hey.
0: Yes, I know. Up? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, believe me, I've had it before. Let's talk about. Last year was weird. Now You've probably been asked this a hundred times or a thousand times. Is it one album that you split into three or is it literally different? Well, yeah, you, exp- you explain why it's in three volumes. I'll let you do that.
1: <laughs> it's three volumes because I wasn't ready to hand in a second album. So I asked if I could do three EPs and hopefully by the end of it, I would understand myself better. I think people that listen to my music would understand where I'm going, where I want to be it just felt like I needed to reintroduce myself. I think elements of a lot of the songs don't sound too different. I think it just sounds very refined and more precise than what I was doing before. And I think that's, you know, that's why I've been working with Dan. He's been really helping me, like, articulate my ideas and just, like, push it to the next level.
0: What Because it was, was it 2017, 2018 that Volume 1 came out? Which, I guess, mm-hmm. in, in a in a span of creativity is a long time. Where Do you listen to that and... Do you do you like it for what it is, or do you? Yeah, yeah oh, good. That's good.
1: I love it. Yeah, yeah. because it it sounds intentional. There's intent there. I think. Sometimes when artists listen to their old music, they're probably like, I don't know what I was doing. So you don't want to listen to it. But I think when you put all three of them together, you can see there's a story and you understand like why certain songs exist then and exist now. I think this sounds like a complete book and and I'm happy to just like play it the whole way through and not be like, oh, that was random. You know, nothing seems random in these three EPs.
0: And it's lovely. I think that you you do want to release complete work because I think there must be a temptation for you, especially – with technology that if a song comes in your head and you think it sounds right, you can put it out straight away. What's the thought behind wanting to actually release something as a complete work versus single, 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 single?
1: Yeah, it's about building a story. Mm. I think if you want for most musicians that have like long careers, there's a story there and you feel like you're following someone's path. Like if you think Kanye or like, you know, any like really big album rollouts, it's there's a story there and they're telling something like the visuals are connected and you feel like, yeah the visual aspect and the musical aspect embodies who they are and you it's very immersive and I wanted to create a world that felt very immersive and I think when you listen to the projects the whole way through that's the complete experience I mean obviously they're going to come out in singles beforehand but I think when yeah, everyone yeah. the projects after everyone's yeah. like oh I get it yeah I no I now yeah and that's been like the most rewarding thing
0: (laughs) so what can you tell us about what you're working on now like so volume volume three is out is there a volume four or are we moving are we moving away from the last year was weird mindset
1: we're not moving away from the mindset but it is my album time so i think next chapter is kind of just taking all those lessons and like the energy and the sounds and just kind of taking it to the next level and seeing what happens next a lot of the songs were very, literally lost the word. It's kind of like telling about, it's, it's telling of everything I'm going through. So it's more like, it's, like, it's not conversational. I've literally will we'll, we'll wait but... and
0: hear ourselves. How about that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> 10 minutes later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's reflective of everything I'm going through. And I've learned that I have to like experience things and talk about it. And that's kind of the, yeah, that's the story of everything else that like, goes along. So I think I am meant to, heal myself, discover new things and talk about it. And that's kind of like what people connect to. And that's what's exciting for me as well. It's just like growth.
0: (laughs) Have you been using, because what would you, we're recording this chat in July, 2021. What would you be doing now if COVID wasn't a thing? Would you be on the road somewhere? Would you be in X country? Would you be back home?
1: Honestly, I have no idea because I was meant to be touring when COVID hit, Yeah, but then I think going home almost gave me that breath of fresh air. Like I was touring for seven years straight and that was the first time I'd been home with my family and was able to reflect on things. And if I didn't go home and just sit in my room for five months, I wouldn't have shot my green screen videos and maybe the project wouldn't look the way it does. Yeah, doesn't it kind of thing. So it's kind of weird. I almost can't imagine life without COVID, even though it's been a very like hectic time. Do you know what I mean though? Like I can't really... Picture or like reminisce or wish it was different.
0: Well, it's almost been so long now that we've had to just make it okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to
1: adapt
0: yeah. it. <laughs> exactly. Well, we're so thankful for your time. You've been such a joy to speak to. Can I ask you though, because this is called introducing, and hopefully we've introduced some people to your work today, which is the whole point. Is there anyone that you would like to introduce us to that you're either listening to at the moment, maybe you're working with them, maybe you saw them live recently?
1: I really, oh, someone I would introduce you to, an artist I went into the studio with last week. Her name's Lolo Zoai. She's really cool. She's like, it's pop, but it's alternative. It's really cool. I think the production's really cool. And she's very tomboyish. Her videos are really sick. I don't know. It's like really cool energy. Definitely check her out.
0: Oh, we will. Well, as I said, you've been such yeah. a joy to speak to. Her. It's been so nice to meet you. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Just I don't pop out outside and go and find Troy Savant's house and write him a note and slip it under the door
1: <laughs> I'll hop into the studio. I'll let you know how it goes
0: <laughs> yeah 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 and, and say hi to yeah. Dan for us he's got a lot of fans here <laughs> he said
1: hi. he's right there hey guys <laughs> right hey Dan how you doing what's
0: good so much love I didn't want to interrupt. I didn't want to interrupt. No, no, no. Interrupt. What's it? What's it like working with TK? What's your relationship like? Isn't she the best human though? Like for real. Like (laughs) real. It's just the best. It's just the best. Honest, and she's
1: motivated, and she always was. Like it's, it's like you know, it's like it's like you have to be in a great
0: mindset. You know what I mean to become to be an artist, and she keeps that. That's very hard to maintain. So, I admire. Oh, that's great. Well, you're lucky to have each other. You've got a lot of fans in Australia. And yeah, again, TK, thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it.